Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. I talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women that are living their dreams and making a path for the next generation. I'm Brenda hernandez Caimes, and this is Ellas. Hello, welcome back. I'm Brenda hernandez Caimes, and on the 16th episode of Ellas, I have the pleasure of introducing today's guest. One is a fashion designer, attorney, Spanish teacher, and founder of Spanish Sin Pena, and the other is the creative and communications director of Spanish Sin Pena. Welcome, Wendy Ramirez and Jackie Rodriguez. Very excited to be here, Brenda. Thank you so much for providing us the space to just share our stories and for the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you so much for having us and holding space for us. We're looking forward to having this important conversation. It's such an honor, and I love the work that you both are doing, is teaching and providing a safe space for for our Latinos who are professionals who are interested in learning Spanish and having that confidence and that empowerment again. Because I think that's something vital and important right now, especially in our current political climate. And thank you for being here, Ineyas. I just want to start, if you've, you know, if you've listened to an episode, Ineyas, you know, I love to start from the very beginning. So can you share with our listeners, both of you, your childhood, how it was like growing up here, and what motivated you to study law, and what motivated you, motivated you to study communication, so... Can we start with um, Wendy? Sure. Um, so I'm from East Los Angeles. I was born here in the U.S., but when I was when I was young, I just spoke Spanish. I think I didn't really learn English until about the third grade. But by the time I was in high school, I had lost my ability to communicate in Spanish, um, and I loved. But one of the other things that I loved when I was growing up is making my own clothes, and so I was sewing when I was ten. And I really wanted to be a fashion designer. And so, but I I didn't know which path to take, right? I was kind of, I was torn. I did a program that took me to Sacramento and exposed me to politics. And so really what I asked, my the question that I asked myself when I was a, a junior in high school was, how can I help my community? How can I serve my community? Because that's really what motivated me to even go to school because before that I was being a troublemaker. But <laughs> that's a different story. Um, but, yeah, so when I asked myself, how can I help my community, I thought, like, okay, politics is one of the, way that, one of the ways that I can change things. And so, but even back then, I, like, remember having this gut intuition feeling that I would come back to fashion in my mid-career at some point. Um, I really cared about immigration, even though at, at that time I know that we're still struggling with that, but that was one of the things that I was very active in protest in my school and working with the community. And then that basically, so I followed the path of just, you know, doing politics. I thought I wanted to be, you know, in front of the cameras as a leader in the community. And that, you know, and even from a young age, you asked how I grew up, I remember listening to the news in Spanish and seeing some of our elected officials that were really struggling to communicate and their messages were getting lost. And I told myself, I don't want to be that way. So even, so I lost it. And when I realized that I lost my ability to speak Spanish, I set out to reclaim it, to learn it. So that's what took me to, you know, Mexico city, then Spain, then teaching it, (laughs) then work. And so I did a lot of things after after college. I went to um, I became a teacher. Then I went to law school. Then I went to Washington D.C. and I worked in politics. Then I had you know like my and everything was a dream come true for me. In D.C. when I was working in politics, I was doing immigration policy, and I was at one point you know negotiating with the White House uh, a immigration bill, a comprehensive immigration bill. Uh, We didn't get anywhere. You know, that fight has been going on for a long time. But I felt like that was my dream, and I lived it out. Mm -hmm. And then I had my other dream, which was, like, just to travel all over Latin America. And I got to do that also with supporting democracy programs. 
and I, I just fell in love with, I feel that there's something that unites us, um, all of us that are from Latin America, that we have, like, there's, I mean, w we could talk, a lot, you know, forever about that, but I don't know what it was. I just have that feeling that when I get together with other Latin Americans or Latino Americanos, that we're just the same family. And so um, that was my dream job. I got to travel to so many different countries, helping governments and democracy and um, elections. And that was another dream come true. And then I finally decided that I wanted to do something for myself. And I think it was after I got married in my honeymoon that I was like, what's the next professional step, career? And I could see it, and I was like, okay, working for the government as a political appointee. But, like, I don't want that job because that person looks stressed out. That person looks like they're not happy. And I want to take, I want to have control over my time. And so I just said, I want to have control over my time. I want to make money doing something that I'm passionate about, and I want to help other people. And so I just started writing down all the things that I was passionate about. And one of them has always been designing and making clothes and fashion. And so then, yeah, so that's kind of how I just planned and I worked hard to to make a plan to leave my job and start my own business. And I started the first one, which was Impi Malena. And then eventually I've, I've been doing that for maybe about the past five, six years. And then last year, I just, you know, I love my culture. I love promoting it. And so I wanted to do it also with language and just kind of reclaiming that Spanish because I struggled with it. And I know that I can help other Latinos that are here in the U.S. to to have more opportunities the same way that I did in terms of work. Because I felt like even when I left my job, I continue to have opportunities to work because I'm bilingual. And so I want that for everyone else in my community. And I want them to to feel proud of their, their roots, their heritage, their culture. And that's a little bit of how Spanish Sin Pena started. So I was born here in Santa Ana in Orange County, and that's where I grew up most of my life. And I, my background if, is working at a children's health policy organization. And so we worked a lot with underserved communities and represented communities of color that didn't have the resources or like, weren't able to speak for themselves. And so coming into Spanish Sin Pena, one day starting this, and I really, it really resonated with me because we we're supporting those same communities that we were advocating for before. And even more specifically, like I get to work for my hometown and represent these. And so knowing we're empowering Latinos, and I myself, just like me, I'm struggling and reclaiming my own Spanish. Because <laughs> um, my parents came here at a very young age from Mexico and assimilated like many others. And so culture, it wasn't something that was told. They didn't know it was something important, something to hold on to, something to share. And so my mom was really young, and her focus was being able to survive and finish school and work. So me learning Spanish just wasn't a priority. I learned from watching novelas with my tia, who babysat me, and, of course, Selena. But, <laughs> but not until I got into the health policy world, I'm like, how am I going to up-level my Spanish to be able to feel comfortable to speak professionally about what's going on with, like you mentioned earlier, like the current political climate? And so I realized, like, just conversational Spanish wasn't enough for me, and I want to be able to connect more with my elders, be able to really be a strong advocate for my community, and Spanish Sin Pena is the perfect platform for that. I was fortunate enough to meet Wendy in D.C., and we just connected right away. So even from Inta Malena, I've been a big number one shopper. <laughs> and so being able to move back to California, and us still, she's in L.A., I'm in Orange County, and being able to build this and partner up together has been a great collaboration. I'm really excited for the work we're doing. Wow. Like, I'm so honored. Like, both of you are such great women in what you're doing. And I have so many questions right now. I want to know... And we're going to get to Spanish Sin Pena, but I really want to know how you started um, law, because you mentioned that you interned in Mexico. And I also want to know how you got to work in health policy. What sparked that interest in both of you? And I also want to know 
how did both of you like meet in Washington DC? What was the connection? Because that's interesting. That's how Spanish and Benna, the friendship, mm -hmm. and then later on, Spanish and Benna started. But can you share that interest? Sure. Um, I'll share about, so ba basically for me, going to law school, I volunteered I, before um, I was a teacher, and I was just really fed up with the things that were happening at the school level, and I really felt like my hands were tied, and I really couldn't do anything about it. And I felt that law was one of the things that can give me the tools to be more of an advocate. There was organizations that I admired, um, like MALDIF, that were, were actually suing the state and the school districts. And I said, you know, I, that's kind of what I want. And if in order for me to serve my community and be a better advocate, law school is one of the options. And a, I was very fortunate and grateful that I, I got a scholarship to, to go to law school because it's very expensive. And that's what allowed me the freedom to explore the different careers that I've had. But it was law school, right after law school, that I got a fellowship to go to D.C. and uh, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute Fellowship. Um, and so that, you know, in, in D.C. is where me and Jackie met. I remember uh, Jackie, like, she's, she doesn't, she is such a creative person. And I, I mean, both with communications and with vis anything visual, and so I, you know, I knew I w had already started in Tamalena and I knew when I met her that I was like, I want to work with her. Like, you know, I, I, I know that I want to work with her and the timing had to be right. You know, there was definitely, I was still doing some things and, you know, tra figuring out how to grow my business and she had, you know, different types of jobs, but it was one of those things where, you know, you meet someone and you know, you want to work with them because and even now, like, I just feel that we make a great team because the things that I, that I, I struggle with are her strong points. And, um, like, the communications and just having that ease and, and just getting stuff done. <laughs> She's amazing at it. So, yeah, that's how we met. You can't see it, but I'm blushing. <laughs> Yeah, um, I ended up in D.C. My sister's in the Navy. And so I moved out there to help her out when she had my niece. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know anybody. And so I started working in an art gallery and just met people here and there. And all of a sudden, I just stumbled upon this group of badass Latinas from also from California. And I was like, Latinas from Orange County, like, yay. <laughs> and so they um, went, Wendy and her husband, Luis, had a house full of amazing, inspiring people so we just became really close and like she said it was just love at first sight <laughs> so being able to move back and build this has been an amazing opportunity it's been awesome and then um, one of the girls one of the other roommates in the house she knew I was working directly I did direct services with families also in underserved communities in Washington DC and so when I moved back to California she was building her communications team for the health policy org and she was like, I know where your heart's in the right place. I know policy is the other side of it, but I think you'd be a great fit. I want you on my team. And so that happened, and I ended up loving it. I was kind of nervous because I lived in D.C., but I wasn't part of that political. I never worked on the Hill and things like that. But coming here, and now I got flown out to D.C. for work, and I was really there, like, going to talk to the Speaker of the House. And I was just like, oh, this is happening. We're doing this. And I fell in love with it. Representing the community on that level, from that side of things, was a completely new experience for me. And I surprised myself that, like, actually, like, starting to grow, and I learned a lot and kind of figured out that communications was what I wanted to do, and I wanted to use comms to be able to support other people supporting our community. And while we're talking about the great work that you both, both have done, can you share with our listeners all the highlights while working in D.C., the lessons learned, and the mistakes that both made, both of you made in your career that you now apply in your current businesses and your current work. And maybe for anyone that's interested in working in the politics side of law and of public health, what can you share with them? So I worked on Capitol Hill, and it was very, very challenging. I was there because 
my intention was to have an impact in my community and to change policy. And it was very, very difficult to do that. Policy moves really, really slow, specifically at the federal level. And what was challenging for me was just that it was a little bubble with, where people have a lot of power and it really goes to their, you know, to their head. And a lot of, a lot of young people, very driven, very ambitious, but also, you know, they, a lot of people taking credit for work that they hadn't, hadn't even done. And that's what I felt like politics was just about a lot of people trying to show off saying my boss or, you know, the senator, the congressman did this, they did that. And, and, you know, and in reality is like you're spending most of your time fundraising for your next campaign. That's, you know, that's basically, and I mean, I don't, I, there are good people in politics and there are people that are there to serve their community and are, are driven by that. But that the hard reality of that's the way that politics works. And they always say, you don't want to, you don't want to know how the sausage gets made is, is one of the, the things. And it's like actually having lived it, I was not happy. I mean, I stayed there because of the influence and that I could have on immigration policy. And I was not happy doing that work. It wasn't until I left that type of work where I, I found myself in a much better environment where people were working to help communities and not to advance their own personal um, agenda. But one of the things in terms of lessons learned, though, I think that what I would want to say and what I apply today is one of the things that I learned is that you have to ask for support from other people. And I was turned off at that. I was turned off from that at first because in politics, that's all it is. It's like favors. It's who do you know? You know, who do you know that can help you? And I, I just, I didn't want to be a part of any of that. But as a business owner, as an entrepreneur now, I understand that you can't do anything by yourself, um, that you need support and you need help and you need to ask your friends for favors. <laughs> and before, and that's still something that's challenging for me to do is asking other people to, to help out and using my contacts and my personal, um, friends to, <laughs> to get the, you know, to do some of the things that are going to move either my business um, forward and that's that's a hard that's a hard lesson for me that I'm continuing to stretch and and do it and I don't mind telling everybody about it <laughs> I think that's where we play on each other's strengths because I'm like look what we're doing <laughs> so and then it's also because it comes from a genuine place and they know our intention so it's yeah it's not using someone it's just like this is the work we're doing and we're also like super supportive and love collaborating and uplifting others that are doing good work. So we're all about it. Um, I think for me, that one of the biggest lessons learned throughout this, like being an advocate and supporting, representing underserved communities, like a lot of times you forget to advocate for yourself and especially working in nonprofit. And it's, it's sad how, how often you hear that. Like, and so just really making sure not to give up your power to advocate for yourself like Wendy said, like, ask for support and just know there's lessons to be learned in everything. And I know if I haven't gone through all the things I've went through, I wouldn't have been able to be where I'm at now. And I asked myself, like, what do I want for myself? And so now being able to blossom into this communications director, and um, it's just been really great and really empowering because now I do have, you know, I have power over my time. I get a work from Mexico on my cabana next to the beach. We were doing that last week, and it's just great to be like, this is my job, this is what I'm doing. I'm owning it and like believing in myself. And so that's definitely something to tell people, keep advocating for yourself, don't forget. That's beautiful. And I think both of you are so passionate about, you know, uplifting our community and teaching us, and I mean them, Spanish. 
but at the same time, you know, you both are so opposite. You're so open to having people collaborate to hear what you are saying. And yeah, I understand like that kind of not fear, but like this is my project. I don't want to overwhelm other people in helping me, you know, furthering it. And now that, you know, we're here and we're talking about Spanish Timpena, can you share with our listeners the mission, the vision that you have for it for the next years? And to anyone that is interested in being part of, you know, the Spanish strategies, who is it open to learning Spanish? What can they expect from your classes, from your workshops, and from your travels? Sure. I think, like, what I like to, when I talk about Spanish in Pena, I like to just start by sharing that, and we were talking about this a little earlier before we recorded, is my time in Mexico City as a student. And, you know, like I said, I set out to reclaim Spanish because I couldn't, I couldn't communicate by the time I got to high school. And when I was in Mexico and being in a classroom with Mexican students, I felt like, I really felt ashamed and embarrassed about my Spanish. And it felt, I felt like I wasn't smart. I felt like I, I didn't fit in. Um, and so that, you know, all those feelings I know are feelings that a lot of people in, my, in the community also have. But it was one particular teacher who picked on me because I was Latina because I had another person in my class who was blonde and blue eyes and they didn't pick on her. And so for me, it was kind of like, you have a responsibility to speak Spanish because of the way you look. And I was very angry and upset, but then later I think I became to just embrace that, that she's right and that I needed to make that effort and I needed to just get out of, you know, stop being, stop feeling that shame and stop feeling embarrassed and then just switch it around and turn it more into curiosity. Like, let me learn because I, you never stop learning a language. Even if you grow up in Mexico, you go to Cuba or Colombia and you can't understand some of the things that they say. So you're always learning and evolving and it's a beautiful thing. And so for me, I also, in the jobs that I had, and I taught Spanish in, when I was in Washington, D.C., and then I worked in Latin America, and I realized that there was a lot of people that were, l that were speaking very good Spanish in very high positions, investing in learning Spanish that were not Latinos. And for me, it's like, you know, they're getting all these opportunities, but my community, we're losing it. We have over 50 million uh, Spanish speakers in the U.S., you have more opportunities when you are bilingual, but we're not taking advantage of that. And it's not really our fault because when you think about it, and I've talked to so many people, is because, number one, your parents were either trying to protect you, your parents, your grandparents, from discrimination. They wanted you to assimilate so that you didn't feel that, that s stigma that, y that you have. And then number two, there's really no opportunities to practice. And so even if you want to learn, you know, you can't just learn from a book. And you can you can learn watching novelas a lot. I watch a lot of Netflix. <laughs> um, but, you know, like you need to actually speak it and practice it. And so that's what we're trying to provide is those spaces. But also just, first of all, like the message, like share your story. I, I know you're not any less Latina or Latino because you can't speak Spanish. That's not, it's, that's not true. You know, like you, but you have control and you have power over what you invest your time in. And if speaking Spanish is important to you, if you want to pass it down to your children, if you want to use it at work and sound more professional, then invest your time into really learning it and we're just trying to f we're, we're trying to provide that for people that are at that point that they're ready that they're like yes <coughs> i'm tired of being ashamed i'm tired of feeling embarrassed i'm you know i want to i want to do that for myself and i want to continue to develop myself 
and that's that's what they can expect they can expect a community of like-minded people that have similar stories that are more you know so we're we're changing the way we think about it to be curious not ashamed and we're just creating the resources and the ability for you to actually practice and and succeed yeah and I think the name is so perfect like Spanish sin pena really just represents because for me I I don't have that much pena I'll still try and I'm not I might not be conjugating correctly but like one of the things that's really taught me is focusing on your message not your mistakes and so I'll keep trying and I'll just for me it's more important to make that connection and they'll be like I know what you're trying to say <laughs> and so it works and so now being able to just take that next level and really just fine-tune it and really get get it down so it's not just cute Spanish anymore it's like okay <laughs> she's so professional so I'm really looking forward to and I've seen my progress I see tias I haven't seen in a while or I'm with some friends and we've actually been traveling to Mexico a lot lately and so this past week in Puerto Vallarta I did some interviews with some of the locals and Wendy wasn't with me <laughs> I was by myself and like but I do love like the cultural part, like talking to the locals, hearing more about what they do, their food, their art. And so I kind of just sin pena went up and told them about what Spanish sin pena is and how we want to represent them and you know share their message. So there's a lot of really cool videos on our Instagram page. And I did those interviews. And I'm so proud. That was my celebration this week that I pushed through it. I didn't let the mistakes take me back. So it's been really exciting. The cultural trips have been a lot of fun. You all mentioned something very great. And the reason why many Latinos, first generations, I want to focus on, they don't know Spanish or they forgot to speak Spanish is because their parents suffered through discrimi discrimination. And yes, we talked about it earlier. And some parents, some children are fortunate to have empowered parents that they don't give a fuck of what others have to say and they continue speaking Spanish to their children but others don't have that and it's amazing even in the name Spanish you know not to have that embarrassment to speak the language of your family of your heritage and your culture so for if anyone that is interested in starting a workshop do they have to be professionals? Do they, you say that they have to have that open mind. So, and it's great because I feel like you can't you teach someone Spanish if they're not interested. And can you give us an example of what your workshop gives? What can a listener expect once you're, um, they attend a workshop? Sure. I think, you know, the one of them, what we're trying to do is we offer workshops. We offer free workshops or a minimal cost um, to give strategies, basically, on how you can improve your Spanish and share your story. We also do, like we did today, meetups where we just kind of meet up very informally to practice so that people that want to practice can practice. And then for people who really are committed and need more support, we offer a program, a, a structured program with curriculum and with a, a lot of opportunities for you to speak and get coached on, you know, your pronunciation, your conjugation, but also the culture, you know, understanding all through the lens of looking at our culture and all through the, also the lens of what do you passionate about what do you what are your personal goals that you want to achieve and that's what we focus and we work on so I'll give you an example of one one of you know of uh, a friend of mine that I worked with and she's a teacher and you know her Spanish they always called it pocho <laughs> you know she she was you know very broken Spanish but she wanted to improve it and speak with her parents and so I started helping her and so it's it you know practice like I said practice things that you're that you care about you know that curiosity just changing your mindset and so then she continued on herself to just practice in school with all the teachers and all the principals because she you know she had that open mind and then 
her goal was like she was able to do the back to school night for the parents in Spanish. And she told them because one of the one of the um, strategies that we share is like, tell people you're learning. Tell them that you're not, you know, that you're not fluent, but tell them that you're in the process of learning. She shared with the parents that she was learning Spanish and she did her whole back to school night in Spanish and she felt very happy. But then she told also told the parents, it's so important for your children to speak Spanish. Like, look at me, I'm an adult and now I'm learning it. And she said that the parents were just kind of like with a shock in their face, like in disbelief. Because this was the first time that anyone was ever telling them their language was valuable. They always thought it was, you know, like English, learn English, your kids need to learn English. And, you know, and they didn't feel that they had anything to add. And so for me, like for her to tell the parents of the children that they should continue to speak to their kids in Spanish and to have that confidence and to show and to spread that message I think is kind of the ripple effect that we're trying to have. And so people can expect to have fun. <laughs> uh, that's that's our approach is like, how can you have fun learning? Let's take away the shame by making it fun and building that confidence. And then they can also expect to to really work on their personal goals and think about how it would be if they were fluent. How would that change their life? You know, who would they connect with? Who, you know, like, and so I want, I always, through the workshops, we walk, we walk people to visualize that. Like, what would it look like if you were completely fluent in Spanish? How would your life change? And that's, that's also, that's how we focus on, on people's goals. Yeah, and those strategies are really helpful because you're, there's so many different kinds of learners. And for me specifically, I'm a visual learner. And I also just really believe in like the power of manifestation. And so like drawing your picture of where you're going to be, who's surrounding you, like it, it's really powerful to see that. And it helps you want to continue with that long-term goal of whatever your objective is. And also just kind of I think the program's really good about shifting your mindset about the way you think about things. And so even being asked sometimes when you're like, what's your relationship with Spanish? And they're like, my relationship? Like, you've never thought about what your relationship is with a language. And Wendy shared, she's experienced, like, non-Latinos being able to learn it quickly. But for us, I feel like it's different because there is that emotional attachment. Or there are, we are carrying that those traumas, you know? And so sometimes those aren't acknowledged or we don't even see them as us carrying those for other people. So having those conversations and asking those questions that people haven't been asked for, like really bring out a lot and change perspective and shift their mindset. Now that's something different that I've never heard when learning a language. Strategies, your personal goals, where do you see yourself once you have that language and the people surrounding you? Like, wow. Like I've, and I, and I learned French in university, and I was never asked those questions, you know? I think no one asks you those questions when learning a new language. And that's something different that you both are doing, and so refreshing, and inspiring that by changing your mindset, taking down that embarrassment. And Jackie, Wendy, you said something really important during school, how she was telling them to the parents, you have to continue speaking Spanish to your children. My mom was approached when I was in kindergarten and they told her, stop speaking in Spanish to your daughter because you're gonna confuse her. Because I didn't know English until I started kindergarten. And just that little thing stops a child from continuing to speak Spanish. And you said that how non-Latinos in Washington were giving so much opportunity and their career was so successful because they were speaking Spanish while our community is being denied that. And it's a whole history of racism. And it's, it's really sad. And I'm so happy that you both are continuing this. And can you give us examples of students that 
have inspired you to continue your mission in Spanish, Sintena. And have you encountered many students of like, you know, like, I don't understand this. For example, like, Spanish in Latin America is so different. Accents, the way you say different words. We have so many ways of saying just one thing. I would expect someone that's interested in Spanish, in Pena, might be afraid of like, am I going to learn Mexican Spanish, Cuban Spanish, Venezuelan Spanish? How is the Spanish taught in these workshops? Uh, so in the, the workshops focus more on strategies and, you know, that you having the vision and more, but the program itself is where we really delve deep. And I think there's... I think there's a universal Spanish. I mean, if you ever watch Univision or, you know, like the news, there's a Spanish that everyone can understand. And that's part of what, you know, what we focus on. But we also bring in your personal goals and expose you to the different to the different accents, to the different words from all over Latin America, like right now. Uh, thanks to Jackie, I'm working with a brother and a sister who, whose dad is from Chile, and they're going back to Chile in November. And w one of the things is, like, we're focusing, and I myself, through this process, have been learning all these new Chilean words, like cachai, and, there's, there, and, and I love it. I mean, I love l continuing to learn and grow and helping them in that process. And they get excited when they know that what they're learning is going to be helpful for their trip, you know, and so they're more curious. So, again, that's that's what you can expect. You can expect on what are your own personal goals, and then you have the support of someone that's going to help you get to those goals. But also exposing the different cultures that we have, like bringing all that in and allowing you to recognize okay because sometimes one word that you say in one country can be a bad word in another country and it can get you in trouble and so it's kind of just being aware of those things but you know again having fun and and yeah I mean I think that and you know to the point about what you said same thing they told my mom the same thing with my sister when she went to school about not speaking to my sister in Spanish and taking her out, you know, and just putting her in English only because the teacher told my mom, you're doing a, a disservice to your daughter by continuing to speak to her in Spanish or wanting her to learn Spanish. And it's, a, you know, and I think that's kind of what our mission is, is dispelling that. And it's also telling people that it doesn't matter what level you're in, you can always learn it because the people that I was w working with that I told you about, I saw people coming in with like no, like level one. And by the end, they were able to speak. So to me, I've seen firsthand that it doesn't matter what level you're in, that what matters is the effort that you put into it, the dedication that you put into it, and the people around you that are supporting you. And so we're we are the people around you that are supporting you and encouraging you, but you have to put in that effort and the work. Exactly. And so that's what I think people can expect from, from what we're, we're trying to offer. But it's also just starting this conversation that we're having about language and identity and culture and, you know, judgment that happens in our community and just dispelling that as well, saying, you know, we're all Latinos. It doesn't matter what language you speak, it doesn't matter what level. It's just if you want to do something about it, you can because, it, you know, you have options now. Um, and I definitely feel like I find a frequent response. Like, I love when we get messages when people are like, I feel so seen. Your story is my story. And it's something that's easy to just feel alone in. You might feel like, because, again, all of that shame. And so knowing, like, there is another community that we're trying to build and tell people about. Because when we get together and we talk about our stories, where our parents are from, or our relationship with Spanish, and you hear someone else say that, like, it's just, even right now, you guys sharing the story about the teachers, like, making those connections, that's also empowering to know you're not on this path alone. And so just really that sense of community has also been really helpful. And I want to ask you, 
because you ask these to your students. What is the relationship that you have with Spanish? How do you see it? And what are your goals? Because we mentioned it before, you know, but now currently, what are the goals that you have in speaking Spanish and the relationship that you have with it? For me, it's been, it's, a, it's been a fun one now. I mean, I think at the beginning, like I said, when I was, when I got stuck and I felt ashamed and I felt embarrassed and I felt like I wasn't smart enough, but then that shifted and I, and I feel that I have a really beautiful evolving relationship with Spanish because I think it's, it's alive. It's not something that's static. It's something that changes. It's something that continues. You, we continue to create, um, words and and language is alive and so for me it's it's just this relationship out of curiosity like I feel like Spanish is my teacher and I want to I want to like learn from her and and continue to learn from her because she helps me to communicate with so many other people and so that's the relationship that I have her and I think the goal for me is for for me to share share that teacher with my community here and for that for for people to like feel empowered and feel supported and be able to feel that connection to their roots to their family and pass that on to the next generation that's that's really what the goal I know it's very ambitious but you know even if we impact you know a, a handful of people then I think that it's worthwhile pursuing. I think I feel like what I want our students to feel, because I feel like I am in that stage of reclaiming and feeling empowered, because I know I'm working on my own Spanish, and so it might sound kind of silly that like I'm not really like the best at speaking Spanish or on the level I want to be at, but I'm also being like, come take our Spanish program, but because I am reclaiming it, and so I really do feel like my confidence has been building and I'm like, I am, I can be learning it and also like getting other people to learn it with me and enroll to learn it for whatever learning objectives they have for themselves. So it, it has been a lot of fun and also making me feel more rooted. I go and have full conversations with my Nana and I don't let myself go to English because that's easy to do. And so really just putting that work in, practicing and feeling confident has been really exciting. What does your family say right now that you're reclaiming Spanish? Do they say any words of encouragement? Because as we know, we don't only suffer um, from not uh, continuing speaking Spanish from outside, but also our family makes fun of us because of the accent that we have. Or you speak like a pocha. So I want to know, what does your family say? Yeah, no, it's definitely the pocha in the family. And, but they are, it's constantly like, oh, it's so cute, or oh, like, you know, so. Um, but they've been really encouraging. I've told them about what we're doing. And my nana, she only speaks Spanish, but she understands English. And she actually came to one of the workshops. And she's like, I see, me siento, pero con inglés. And so it was really cute because we shared different strategies. And one of them was like to put post its on things around your house. And so when you learn that, take your post it off. And now you know how to say that object. And she's like, lo voy a hacer. And so I went to her house, and she has little post-its in English, like, around. And so seeing her, like, you know, taking these tools, and I'm like, you can do this. And then my stepdad, he's always just like, well, for dinner tonight, let's only talk in Spanish. And it's nice when it's more of, like, a limited time. Like, okay, tonight we're having dinner and speaking Spanish. Correct me. So I'll, I'm open to it. Versus sometimes I feel insecure about practicing all day because the constant corrections all day can be kind of just like a little yeah a little disempowering or I'm just kind of like let me just speak in English to get my message faster but now when we have like certain spaces and I'm like okay I want to practice I'm open to this feedback let's learn together and then my mom came to the lunch today which was really cool because she's it's just out of her space to be around different people and so she came and she's like that was a lot of fun like I love what you guys are doing so they're really supportive, and I'm excited that they are. And they're actually coming to the events. <laughs> and how about you, Wendy? What does your family say? Because I know you went to, you interned in Mexico, you studied at UNAM. But what does your family say about you, you know, founding Spanish Simpena and helping our community? 
my family thinks I'm crazy always, right? Because I, <laughs> I, I have ideas and then I just run with them. And, you know, this is one of the ideas. And I think, so for me, I have a niece and I decided that I'm just going to speak to her in Spanish. And my sister speaks to her in Spanish and English. And so one of the things, though, that I've noticed with my family is that, you know, sometimes I want them to just speak to her in Spanish, but I have to recognize and realize that. And they've told me, like, we're going to speak to her in the language that we feel comfortable with. And I feel, some, I feel like I'm the one that's like, you know, me and my mom, my mom supports me. But um, and my niece, she you can already tell she's only two and a half years old. And she's more comfortable speaking in English already. Like, she's barely learning to speak. But she knows Spanish, and she picks them up. And so I don't correct her, and I don't tell her something's wrong. I just, like, tell her, sí, pero en español se dice, or, or when she says it even in Spanish, I'm like, that's right. And in English it is. So I'm, like, always encouraging her to learn both of them. And it's great to see her, like, know both languages and actually know what something is called in English and in Spanish and just, just seeing that. And I think that, you know, the, I'm setting the example in my family with my sisters of like, let's, you know, like let's teach her Spanish. Let's make sure that it's because she's going to, you know, as soon as she goes to school, it's all going to be English. Um, but yeah, my family, you know, they, they think that I'm crazy and that I just, you know, have crazy ideas and I run with them, but they're supportive. <laughs> it's really amazing that you said that you're the one that teaches Spanish to your niece and that you speak it with her because a lot of parents from, you know, growing up here in Orange County, I remember I would, I still speak Spanish in my house with my parents and my family, but I remember people saying, no, 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 we speak Span uh, English because you know, that's what they speak in, in school, and we have to continue that. And it's great that you're doing the opposite. You're like, okay, no, like, yes, both, because you know that it opens the doors for many of us, knowing more than one language. And I think that's one of the mindsets that you have to change, that accepting that, yes, knowing more than one language opens the doors for me. And you mentioned something about great strategies of the Post-its, can you share with our listeners another two, three strategies they can expect once they start um, learning Spanish in Pena? Sure. So one of the one of the first strategies that we say is, you know, acknowledge your story. See, you know, see. First of all, share it. Tell people whatever shame you have. Kind of shame goes away when you share what you're ashamed of. So. That's the first strategy is, like, share your story, tell people, enlist people to help you. Rather than being afraid of making a mistake when you're telling someone where you're from, maybe that you didn't grow up speaking Spanish, that you're just learning it, or maybe that you, you know, like, whatever it is, just share your story. And then one of the other ones that we have is it's the message that matters, not the mistakes. So focus on your message and your intention because people, your language is very powerful, but you can feel that energy. So when you have good intentions and when your intention is to help someone or solve, you know, a problem that's happening, focus on, you know, what your intention is and what you're trying to get across and not that word that you can't remember how to say in Spanish, you know, like, or that mistake or can you that you can't conjugate that word correctly. So that that's another tip is focus on your message. And then another one is what's the best way that you learn? And, w you know, is it, are you visual? Do you want to increase your vocabulary? Do you want to improve your writing? Do you want to improve your speaking? So you have to focus, see what it is really that, that you want to learn and how you learn and adapt you know, like what we do is we do brainstorming sessions of like, here are a, num a number of different ways that you can learn. You know, what's the one that, what's the strategy that's going to work for you? But have fun. I think the one thing, the, the one thing, and for me, I mean, that's at the root of everything is having fun. I'm a teacher at heart. I've always been a teacher. And what I realize is that when you're having fun, it's so much easier to learn. 
you know, like you can. And so we really advocate for, okay, I ask people, what are you passionate about? What do you love to do? And it could be something as simple as like, I love baking. And so I have them watch Nailed It from Mexico, you know, on Netflix. Or I have them watch YouTube recipes or, you know, because you're not just focusing on learning the language. You're focusing on things that you already love. And how do you continue to to improve the language doing the things that are already in your everyday life and that you're enjoying and having fun? I think integrating the strategies into your everyday life has been what's really helpful because it's we're already on our phone. Put your social media on Spanish. Add that Spanish to your keyboard. Like, Just really the resources and strategies meeting you where you're already at and not having to go out of it. And Of course, there's some like practice and discipline, but it's not just hours of studying in the books because you also don't want to burn yourself out. But focusing on where you're at and how we can integrate them in has been really helpful and now for anyone who is interested like they're gonna you know get spanish can you share the cost um when is your next trip of this year and the prices as well and the 30 minute um strategy strategy session what can they expect from that Sure. So for, uh, I guess for the listeners, you know, we always have all our updated information on Instagram. You can always follow us and find everything there. And like I said, what we do is we do workshops that are always a very low cost. You know, it can be anywhere from like $7 or something, which is really just so we know how many people to expect and how much materials to have, but they're basically free. Um, We're going to start probably doing more webinars also for people because I've spoken to people from all over the country. I mean, from Montana to Detroit to just everywhere who, who want this and who need this. Um, and so then we do have a prog- a six month program where it's actually, you have to apply because we want it to be a good fit. You know, we want, we want to, our, our time and our resources are limited. And so we want to help people that are ready, that are committed, and that really show interest because we're, we're investing our time. And people that are leaders, we want to amplify their message. We want their message to be able to be heard, not just in English, but in Spanish. And we feel that that's the way that we create positive impact in our community by amplifying the message of others. And so for our program, it's a six-month program, um, and there's, I mean, we offer everything from scholarships to an exchange. Like if you have, if you have work that you can help us, for example, if you're good at podcasting or other source, then we exchange that also for you to join the program. And then for the, there's also professional development funds that people have through work that they can use in order to take the program because we're really developing your leadership skills and your language and then then there's a cost for people that want to make the investment. And so it all, you know, it all depends and it's all on who the individual is, but it's an application process. And then through the application process, you let us know kind of where you're at, if you're interested in our scholarships, if your job can help you pay for this, or if you, you know, like if you can do it on your own. And that's that's everything that we we provide. And our next trip we're thinking Colombia, you know, and um, my husband's from there. And so, I, but we'll see. I still, I mean, we like to do cultural t- trips where it's like it coincides with either, you know, un festival or something where you can go learn about the culture and not just hang out at a beach or, or you know, but more experience the culture. And so that we have to look at, at that but we want to make more of those opportunities available and definitely mexico and colombia are you know two of the countries that we're we're going to be planning more trips to yeah and um we actually have a couple personal trips coming up wendy and luis will be in peru next week and so we're excited for that so we'll be posting videos and stories and then i'll also be visiting mexico city in october So stay tuned for Lucha Libre videos. (laughs) Um, And then 
So she shared about the program, but we're also offering a free strategy session. And so it's 30 minutes, and it's just a great time to connect and hear about what your personal goals are and kind of just from there, like, start developing that action plan and telling you a little bit more about, you know, about our program and how we think it'd be a good fit and what kind of resources, because we definitely like to have them customized based on the goals. So if anyone can just text C, like S-I, like, yes, I'm ready, <laughs> S-I to 444-999. And it's really simple. They'll get a link, text back to them. You click on the link, and you can pick whatever day and time works for you, and you'll be talking to Wendy. So it's nice to know who's going to be on the other end, what to expect. And so there's no pressure. It's just a great time to connect and hear your story. Yeah, I just want to add that, yes, thank you, Jackie. For So the strategy sessions, basically what it is, and for all your listeners, I will definitely, when your episode comes out, open it up for them in particular. Um, but basically, it's I will go through strategies that are helpful for you based on your goals. And my my goal is, or my intention is just to be a resource and to ask you some of the questions to see where it is that you want to go, but what are the things that you can do to to help you and support you. And I learned so much from just helping other people that I feel like it's just, you know, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing to connect with folks and to hear the stories. Thank you. And it's so great to know that it's so genuine how you're creating the safe space for our Latinos who are interested in learning their language and having these diverse strategies to just learn it and if now that we've talked about this and talked about you know your childhood your life in Washington creating Spanish Sin Pena if you had the opportunity to go back and speak with your younger selves knowing what you know now and you know experienced everything what would you advise them so this is going to sound a little crazy but um, I would advise them to be in touch with their future self. And um, Jackie and me, and I have another another friend whose name is also Wendy, Wendy Amara. I'm going to give her a shout-out. She's a, a life coach. But she does these events that we've participated that are called Future Self Experiences. And it's basically wherever you're at. So my younger self you know, and I think I always followed my intuition. So I think that my younger self always was smart enough to do that. And regardless of what anyone said, I kind of just went for it. And, and I would continue to do that. But I think that being in touch with your future self and asking yourself, what kind of life do I want to live? What, what is it really, you know, rather than the noise, which is what do you think you should be doing? What do you think that, you know, like, your expectations, what are the people around you doing? What do you think, you know, like what, when you're worried about what others may think, it's more like, no, my future self, who is she? What does she look like? Where, where does she want to be? Who does she want to be surrounded? What kind of life does she want to live? And when you get in touch with that future self, it takes away some of that noise that's around you. And so I don't think, I wouldn't change anything of what I've gone through or, or just knowing who I am. I know that everything is an evolution and, and we are all here to evolve. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I would tell the people who are struggling with that, with the judgment, with what should they do? What I don't, you know, like, I don't know what path to take. I don't have any clarity is talk to your future self, you know, ask her those questions and she's going to respond because she knows even when you feel lost. Yeah, a snap to that because it's, I just recently discovered that workshop a couple months ago and it's completely shifted my perspective and my mindset. Like I'm, I have post-its on my laptop and my mirror in the morning and it's constantly like, would she be thinking this? Would she be here? Like, you know, and so if I ever kind of stray away from what my goals are for myself and then I see that poster or I have this accountability buddy and they're like, okay, what are you doing to work towards your future self? I'm like, it just gets you back into it because you have, you like felt that energy, you 
have that visual of what you want to be and where you want to be. And so that's been really empowering. Um, and I think also I'd want to tell myself to just own my power. I mean, we talk about working with our future self, but you know, from traumas from your inner child and things like you have all these things you already deal with and things you're healing from. But then on top of that, we're women. On top of that, we're Latinas. So I'm constantly feeling like imposter syndrome and other insecurities. But now when I want to offer my services or I want to present something, I'm like, why should I feel this way? Like my future self would be like, go do that presentation. Like go talk to that client. Like you got this. And so I, I wish I had her in my head a while ago. So she would have been like, we need to build this. Like, come on, let's do this. And so it's been really... It's been quite an experience. <laughs> and for our listeners who are still have that pena of speaking Spanish and they are afraid of taking that next step of owning their heritage and feeling empowered through speaking Spanish, what advice would you give them? I mean, I think that, you know, to ask themselves why. What are they afraid of? You know, and I think that it, and I can, and I know that, that to me, that's one of the biggest challenges because I know so many people that are leaders in our community that are doing amazing work, but they don't even want to touch Spanish. They don't even want to consider um, having a conversation about how they can improve because it's painful, because it hurts, because along the way, someone made them feel bad and so if that's you know if that's you ask yourself what are you afraid of now like are you afraid that someone's also going to judge you is it you know and so when you're ready when you're ready to face your fears to heal that part that was hurt and judged then we'll be here you know but it's it has to be when you're ready and we and we get that so we're we don't, we're not pushing anyone that's not ready yeah and i also think something that's really important that we spoke about earlier was just the power of sharing your story like i know when i have meetings like i was at the mexican consulate and i was like oh no like i know this is going to be in spanish and so i started the meeting off and i sh i told them like I'm working on my Spanish, but I want to do this meeting, you know. And, and their reaction was like, we wish our English was as good as your Spanish. And I was just like, all right. Like, so, you know, you just have that confidence. So really just telling people where you're at, they'll immediately, like, you can see it just, like, in them change and be more encouraging and not so quick to just be judgmental or judge your parents for not teaching you or judge you for, you know, I've seen a lot on social media when people talk about, are you Latino less or more for not speaking it and the comments it's just there's so many people that just don't know and there's a lot of people shaming others and so I was in there I'm like no you got this like it's nothing to be ashamed about or angry towards your parents about and you know we talked about parents are just protecting them so really sharing your story brings a lot thank you and where can our listeners follow you um, and find more information and follow each uh, to the two of you. Sure. Um, so SpanishSinPena.com, SpanishSinPena on Instagram, Facebook. We're not too active on Twitter, but um, we're on all, all the social platforms. And for me personally, I also have Intimalena, which is my fashion brand, and that's more kind of a, my personal, um, you know, it's it, Inti, I-N-T-I-M-A-L-E-N-A, -E and Inti means sun in Quechua, um, and Malena is a combination of Maya, Lenca, and Nahuatl, which is a tribute to my indigenous roots from where my family's from, and that's my fashion, my aesthetic, and so that's kind of my other creative outlet, and that's where people can find me, but, um, but yeah, you know, and I, I look forward to connecting with as many of the people that are out there that are interested in learning anything that I just mentioned, I'm always here to support, especially other Latinas that, you know, either are curious on how you did that, how did you get there? And so I'm always open and I'm always thinking of creating these spaces like you 
where we can continue to support one another and uplift one another and celebrate when you know one another when we accomplish things so yeah I love that um, yeah so we are all over Instagram so my page or I'm tagged on all the pictures so if you want to follow me I'm on there but my handle is also ja Jackie J-A-C-K-I underscore E-E -E. Thank you so much, Wendy and Jackie. This was such an inspiring conversation. And I really want you two to be back here on Ayesk because there's so many, so much that we can talk about, you know, and I think we just like covered maybe 10% of it, but I would love to have you both back here. And thank you for listening at another episode of Ayesk. Thank you for being here. And you can follow Ayes at Instagram, that it is E double L AS the podcast. If you want to share your story with me through Ayes, you can mail at Ayes the podcast at gmail.com. That is E double L AS the pod at gmail.com. And follow me at Bren underscore hi. That's B R E N underscore J A I. Thank you again for listening to another episode, and I'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye-bye. If you've been listening to AS for a while, you know that I'm a big supporter of providing a platform for Latinas to share their stories and inspire current and future generations of women. With that said, I'm looking to get this podcast into the lives of more amazing Latinas just like you. You can help by going to Apple Podcasts and write a review. Tell me what you think and leave any number of stars. It would mean the world to me. Thank you in advance. Ellas is produced, hosted, and edited by me, Brenda Hernandez Jaimes. And thank you to Shro, who created the podcast theme song, Sunken Streets. You can download this track on freemusic.org or listen to him on Spotify, YouTube, and follow him on Instagram. This is Ellas.